<laughs> Welcome into the Sayer Auto Group Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett. Chris Sayer, Morgan Wilson, Kevin Ekman on the pod today. Uh, we're going to discuss the non-negotiables at each store, discuss their importance, and most importantly, discuss the why behind them so we can understand why we're achieving to implement them at all three of the stores. That's next here on the Sayer Auto Group Podcast. All right, welcome all. We got all three stores represented. First time on a podcast episode. There we go. Look at that. Round of applause. There we go. We got Kevin Ackman from Finally. Nissan, Morgan from BMW, and me and Chris from obviously the Dodge store. So thanks for coming on, guys. Thank How you. are we doing? Thank you. Doing good. Solid. Good. Awesome. I uh, wanted to first start with asking you guys any uh, love you wanted to show some salesmen at your store, saleswomen at your store by chance. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Tori. She uh, came over from the BMW store, hit the ground running, and she's doing great. She got her first sale, posted it online, and she's doing wonderful. Let's go, Tori. Let's Here we go. go. Hey. Hey. Tori's great. No, she's awesome. She's, she's good. How long has she been selling with the, like, she with you guys? Oh, probably about a year. A year. Yeah. So, coming to season vet at that point. Yeah, Three right. Years. No, she's awesome. <laughs> I think she. I think out of any of the salespeople, she attends the eight thirty one meeting the most. So she's definitely eager to to learn it. So she's committed. That's awesome. Yep. Morgan, same story for you guys. Any any updates on that or just? I mean, I'd I'd hate to say Alex's name again. <laughs> Me too. But the guy's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But we got a solid group, and they're all going to chase him down this month. I can feel oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And on the Dodge side, we have added a couple new guys. Uh, we, you know, had Ammon come over from the Nissan store. He sold his first truck on the first day here to some previous customers that he had sold, I think, a Pathfinder to over at the Nissan store. And then we had Tyler Martin that uh, came on uh, and never sold before, and he sold something his first day. Uh, Matt actually went out and goes in our conversation, went out and talked to the customers, and he's like, yeah, it's going to give him a false sense of how easy this is because Matt showed numbers, went over, just discount, didn't have a trade. And she just looks at the bo- the three square and says, I like that one. <laughs> that was that was it. Beautiful. It's pretty, pretty simple. So sometimes it's good to get your first one real easy lay down because it gives you that belief. But oh, yeah. that's good to have some fresh blood and uh, some new guys that are off to a good start. But I want to open up and talk about the non-negotiables. Chris kind of brought this up. So I'll turn it over to Chris, just kind of talk about why you feel it's important to reiterate this as we close out the year. It's kind of a big emphasis when we first started the year. And, and you know, what did you feel that was important to bring this back to our attention? Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit last week about goal setting. And these items are kind of this, the action plan, I guess, for achieving our goals. The daily activities, the word non-negotiable literally means you know, you never deviate from this process. Um, we've found that that's easier said than done. Obviously <laughs> we check up on this every couple months and, uh, a lot of the time myself included, we'll answer. Yeah. We only did it 80% of the time. So I think I just wanted to cover these non-negotiables again as, as a group and kind of include the other listeners, our salespeople, personnel, I know a lot of them probably aren't even aware of these because it's it's you know a management focus for sure. Uh, we 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 want our team in general though to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. So that's kind of the background on it, I guess. Absolutely. And Kevin or Morgan, whoever wants to jump in there, in terms of when we made this initial focus and you guys were pushing at your store, what was that initial success that you felt from your salespeople or from from the success you guys had from focusing on kind of 
five to six key components of, of a daily work environment? I mean, for us, it felt like you had a focus, right? Every deal you had an outline of what had to happen on that deal. Mm -hmm. it, it gave you uh, something that you had to strive for. You know, I think it just keeps you focused. Yeah. You know, going off of that, you know, it pushes us as sales managers to get more involved with our salespeople and uh, help them out. Cause it, you know, in these times it's the sales business has changed dramatically and you know, with these non-negotiables, I feel that uh, it just helps us managers get more involved in getting them to, you know, over these steps in the sales process a lot differently. So, yeah, it's that's where the success, I feel, has gone, you know, getting more involved as a sales manager. Yeah, and I think, like, the whole quote of the absence of process is chaos. And so the whole idea of, like you said, it helps you make, make more focus and hold you to a standard of, okay, so when a deal comes in or a customer comes in, these are the boxes that need to go through throughout the process. Um, and so when you don't have that stuff outlined, then it's easy to never be held to some sort of standard. You can just be wishy-washy depending on if you feel like that's a deal or if you don't. And so then at that point you're judging and you're helping some salespeople and not helping others. And then, you know, you never have some sort of guarantee, like concrete way of going about. And so the experience for the customer is always different. They could come by three different, three cars over X amount of years and since there's been no standard, their process or feeling of how it went could be completely different every time, as opposed to if the process is outlined, it's just the same experience. And they know that the Sayer experience from top to bottom is going to be phenomenal. Um, and so that's at least what I felt is that, okay, if we outlined it now, there's no way and we can dive into it, but there's no way I can't go and talk to a salesperson's customer because that's what we've outlined as a standard. And if I don't do that, then I look like a hypocrite. And that is to me, the worst thing that I can never come across as is someone who talks about doing stuff and does, does it when I feel like it, you know? Yeah, that, that was one cool aspect of this. Uh, Zurich led the discussion, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, our brain trust is, is who came up with these, right? We wrote them ourselves. We don't really have the place to complain, oh, yeah, they're making us do this stuff. No, we, we wrote it. Like, this is what we came up with as core principles that, that we need to execute. So yeah, maybe we should go through them quick just yeah. so they, you know, more specifically know what we're talking about here. Um, you want me to read those? Zach? Yeah. Yeah. You, you do for like, ours at least. And then, yeah. So yeah. What he means by that each store kind of tweaked theirs slightly just to match their current needs. And, and uh, there are different, I guess, cultures of our customers at each store. So there is room for variation in these for sure. But I'll read uh, the, the Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram stores. Um, the first one we have here is obtain all the customer's information. Um, you'd think that would be the simplest thing. <laughs> 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 it's the great but yeah, we, right. For some reason, like we struggle to get the key information to put a deal together. A lot of the time it's excitement, I think, just ready to get a deal done. The person's, you know hot, ready to look at cars and stuff, but it is critical for each step, you know, all the way through finance that we have the right information, uh, not only to finish the deal, but also to make it a smooth experience. When you say, I mean, when, yeah. you know, when you have to go back 90 times and ask what's your birthday again, or who should you have insurance? It makes them feel like we're hacks mm -hmm. in general. So well, yeah. if you don't have that information, it allows somebody to like really cool off. Right. Yeah. So right now, 
right this second, I've got a deal that we're working out of Utah on a, a BMW that's really hard to get, right? And so the salesman comes to me really excited. I got this guy on it. You know, we're going we're gonna to make all this money, whatever. And uh, he wants to lease it. No problem. So I get in there and there's no address. Well, he's out of Utah. <laughs> you know, pretty wide range. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> wide range, right? <laughs> the, the lease rate for the taxes changes depending on what county you register that car. Right. And so I'm like, dude, I, I can't quote anything on this. His payment's going to be off. Will you get an address? Well, now he's going back to the customer and trying to get the address. The customer's coming off of this excitement that they had, and <laughs> I haven't heard anything back yet. Yeah. But if we had had that information right from the beginning, yeah. we'd have gone, right? I mean, it's, it's crucial. Well, I think on top of that, too, the element of it is every bit of information a customer gives you is more commitment supplying to you about how serious they are of buying a vehicle. Absolutely. They give you a phone number. They give you an email. They give you address. Those are all signs that I, I'm not here to waste time. Like, I want to get everything correct. Like you said, the correct numbers. I want to know how it all breaks down. And that way, when you're working as a salesperson, if they're giving you any type of resistance, you know, okay, I kind of know who I'm working with and, and work on the areas to improve to get some of that information. So, you know, I, that's one of the areas I think is the more that they give to you, typically the more serious they are about buying. Absolutely. I, I, t- I totally agree with that. And, and for our brand, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but even rebates are determined by address and zip code. Mm-hmm. So yep. you could say, oh yeah, I'm in Idaho or whatever, but it, it could be different rebates based on where you're at. So for the rookies starting now, under, understand why that's so important to us. It, it directs the deal forward in, in every aspect. So the second one we chose uh, was 100% manager turn for every customer. What does that mean, Zach? 100% manager turn for every customer. So I think, especially when guys have been selling for a while, there's, some, there's a negative connotation to a manager turn. They just feel like, well, if... I'm getting turned, it means that I'm not an adequate salesperson. It's kind of the ego part of it that comes into play. What where we want to break it down into is this is early on in the process, and this is just an opportunity for someone to get a second uh, connection at the store so that if the opportunity comes for the manager to be involved when it comes to numbers or whatever, there's already a relationship that's already being built. But again, it goes back to building stronger commitment with customers. The more people they meet, the more people they feel attached to, mm-hmm. the higher chance you're going to have to sell them a car. And so ultimately you got to look at as you're, as you're selling is like, okay, do I want to have my ego intact and feel like I'm the rock solid salesman only closes his customers and sells six, five cars a month? Or do I want to be the person introduces as many people as I can and start selling 10, 15, 20 cars? A month? Right. And if you ask yourself that question, that's where the, the turn importance comes in because then it allows you to have more success selling. Yeah. So I know that your store is super strong at this Kev. So yeah. talk, talk to us a little bit about how that's so played out for you guys. I kind of wanted to, Go off a little bit what you were saying there, Zach. Um, I I sold for ten years, and um, all the guys that I brought in that were underneath me or selling with me, they always used to get mad. And I was like, "Well, you got to use your managers. You know, that's you know, throw that ego aside." Because yeah, I had that ego too, <clears throat> but I use that ego at the same time. But I still always involve my managers. Because if you get a manager involved, because there's there's times that you as a salesperson won't know what to say, what to do, how to do this. So you're, you're scared that if you go to your manager, he's just going to get mad at you, you know, or you're not going to help you out or whatever, whatever the case may be. But um, in our store now, that's that's mandatory, like either myself or Jolly touches him. And if we don't, it's it's a struggle. It's it's an absolute struggle, you know, as a manager, you know, and you see 
if you're not paying attention to the lot and your salespeople just let somebody go and you don't touch them, that's an opportunity lost. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, you know, especially at the Nissan store, we don't have a lot of opportunities. It's a slower, it's a slower store. So we need to touch every single customer twice, maybe even a third time if possible. Yeah. What are your thoughts and work on that one? I went back to when I was <coughs> selling. Um, Rick Williams retired uh, from the GM, BMW, Vital Falls. I would go and grab him as many deals as I possibly could. If I even smelled like that I wasn't going to be able to close this, if there might be some uncertainty whether or not they would do it today, I would grab Williams and let him try to work that angle, let him make that decision of whether or not they were going to buy today, right? Because I knew I wasn't good enough um, to make that you know, decision. If they, if they were going to get walkie on me, I wasn't strong enough to be able to keep them there, right? So after my first pencil, I just bring Williams out with me and let him work the deal because he'd been doing it way longer. He that's was better. Yeah. And half the time with your customers, they want to go to the manager anyways. Exactly. Well, and that's and that's what I always think about is like a lot of the times there's nothing to do with the fact um, that you can potentially close it. It's more about the customer personality and type mm-hmm. that they just want some there's two components of it. Some people just want to talk to the manager like the whole Karen thing. Once they reach that point, they feel like, okay, I've exhausted this. This is the best deal I can get. But also some people just want to be chased. And so if they're sitting there, they talk to the salesperson, they worked him down. A lot of people just want to feel like, oh, they really want to. And so they just want someone else to come talk to them and make them feel super special and that we rolled out the red carpet to get their business today. And so a lot of the times it has nothing to do with the salesperson, you know, individually not being able to close it. It has more to do with the customer having a preference in how they want to get the deal done themselves. Yeah. For me, I couldn't close it. <laughs> but but as but, but as a salesperson watching Rick Williams, you learned you learned, you learned a lot, you know, and salespeople take this and now you learn from your managers because one day you're gonna be in that position. We're we're growing, so that's a good learning curve there. You know, mm-hmm. salespeople pay attention to what your managers say. It's gonna help you out a lot. Yeah, and you still get the same paycheck. A manager does not split the deal with you or take it. As much as we like Like you have nothing to lose there. It's learning experience, you know, higher close rate and, and you still make the same money. So yeah, I, I can see why that's on the second part of our, should maybe even be at the top of the list. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge absolutely. deal. Um, our third one was salespeople go on every test drive. Now, this is kind of an interesting one, um, and I don't have as much experience. So why don't you guys speak to the importance of that? Why, why does the salesperson need to go on this? On I got, I've had actually pretty fun experience with this. Today, actually, um, Kenny, um, one of our sales guys, had this old couple come in um, and was working a Cherokee deal to get into a Grand Cherokee. Um, I go out, talk to them, and they're like, and, and long story short, it was like, hey, let's go take it for another drive. Obviously, didn't fall in love with it. Let's see what, you know, I think there's a few features you're missing out on with this vehicle. And they tell a story about when they came back here a few years ago to buy, there was a salesperson that wouldn't let them go on the test drive alone, or at least tried to get in. And then they got mad, went to their man, to, uh, to the sales manager there, complained, and they were allowed to go on their own. So they don't want anyone to hop in the backseat. That was me. I remember that. I remember that specifically <laughs> because I, I, I went out. I think I'd been here six weeks. Like I had just kind of started and uh, I get the driver's license. They want to drive a white Grand Cherokee. And I opened up the door for him. I put the license in. I opened up the second row and sit down and I shut the door. And then all of a sudden I hear the two doors shut, but no one was in the car. And I look out and they're walking back to the sales. Board. I was like, 
what is going on? So then I opened the door and I'm like, Hey, and they were so pissed. Like, I'm not a toddler. I'm not going to be babysat. So anyway, so I used that as a crutch for a long time to be like, um, yeah, you know, some people, maybe a lot of people feel that way. They don't want me to go on their test drive, bother them, whatever. Uh, and I felt, and, and for a long time, like my numbers started to slip because I wasn't going on every single test driver as I, as I needed to. And so when I had a conversation with Rick about it, about why it had a, a slower month, that was one of the first things he pointed out, Rick Wallace. Um, and once I kind of made that focus again, it went, you know, went back to where it needed to be. And so personally, I found that to be an extreme importance because in that time, you have an opportunity to build a relationship, get to know them on a more personal level and pair all the things about the vehicle to their lives. And so I know we all like to use the excuse of, oh, they got a family of eight, they're stuffing a full, where am I going to sit on the dad's lap? And it's like, you can't use the <laughs> exceptions. The place right there. Man. You can't use the exceptions <laughs> to make the rule for you. The test drive is truly the most important part, in my opinion, of the entire sales process because it's your opportunity to make them fall in love with the car and also fall in love with you as a salesperson. So, Yeah. Any other comments on that? Oh, yes. How many times have we had a customer come back, you know, if a salesperson doesn't go on a test drive and says, oh, I'll think about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost every time, right? A lot of those times, if it's a used vehicle, there's a sound they heard. Could have been like squeaky, you know, water on the tires or whatever. You mm -hmm. as a salesman could actually take care of that, yeah. explain that right on the bat. And, you know, I think 50% of your process is that test drive and you have a 50% chance to get a sell when you go on a test drive. So I think salespeople are just scared sometimes of the people out there when they come up with those excuses. And we as sales managers probably should role play that a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do think it's hard sometimes. Like if you're like, I don't connect with this person at all. Like we have no, nothing in common. I'm supposed to talk to him for 20 minutes on a ride. Like it is awkward initially. Yeah. And it does take definitely getting some used to it. But when you go on a test drive, have fun with it, right? right? Like get to know the person and and show them why they're in your product. Represent your product while you're in there and, and hype up why they're in there. Yeah. You know, have fun with it. Yeah. It's I mean, important. I, you even, I got to witness it, I guess, because you actually did that with my dad and, and my stepmom the other day. So <laughs> I was impressed. He did hype every feature. I was super excited about it. And, and he's dealing with the owner of our company. Like- he doesn't have to put on a show for him, but it, it is exciting. Like the car is amazing. Let's go through it. Let's get hyped on it. And if the, if the person feels more standoffish, I think you just have to read the, read the room kind of, you know, present yourself more as like, Hey, if you have any questions, I'm just going to be hanging out here on my phone just because I want to make sure I can be helpful if you guys need me. So don't worry about me. I'm just hanging out in the back, you know? Well, it's like the Saturday trading, right? Mirror. Mm -hmm. When you're in that car, right. mirror their energy. Be excited for them. You got to be a little more, a little more over the top than they are, but match them. Try to, well, mirror. Yeah. And I think yeah. it just goes like, you have to be able to understand the three personality type, right? If it's an engineer from the site and they're all about the facts on that test drive, make sure that you pair the features to the questions that they're asking, because that's your opportunity to make them feel like they're getting the information they need. Mm -hmm. But if it's a relationship-based buyer, then that's all you focus on. Don't even talk about the car. Talk about anything else that makes them feel like this guy's a friend to me mm -hmm. or this girl's a friend to me. And then you'll have tremendous success. And so then it's assertive, just like you said, mirrored to that aggressiveness and just supply whatever they're wanting and the experience that they're wanting to have. You have to be dynamic enough to change in order to make it successful. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Our uh, next 
um, non-negotiable is proper F&I turn and service walks. So that, I guess that's kind of two things packed into one there. Uh, what's proper F&I turn? Fellas? Uh, I know you guys do tremendously well in Nissan. Getting yeah, yeah, yeah. So, previously. you know, we started off, um, it was with Nick Westfall. Him and I, we got together um, and found a way to explain a lot of what goes on in the F&I briefly. So customers aren't just standoffish when they go in there. Cause sometimes they usually, either, you know, you've been negotiating the whole time. It's back and forth, yada, yada, yada. But you know, with Nick and Westfall, he got together with me and we, uh, we found a way to introduce the products of the F and I and introduce customers to the F and I just a lot more smooth and, you know, having you go with your customers to the F and I Osif, or introducing the F and I guy in the process, it just makes it a lot more just smoother process completely. So, yeah. 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 We, uh, we want you to think of them also as part of this hundred percent manager turn really because they're great closers. They didn't make it to F and I not being a good closer. Right. So they were, they were top salesmen generally speaking. And they're there to help you also, if you're having a wishy-washy customer, you know, just hit up your F&I manager, say, hey, would you mind just saying hi to these people? They have a couple doubts. And all those guys and gal are very capable of helping you close a deal too, if it's kind of, you know, on the rocks a little bit. So utilize them there. It is important too that our F&I people are prepared. I remember doing F&I, there's times where stuff kind of just gets tossed at you and and it's hard <laughs> to get your feet under you like when you don't know all these different variables. And, and your real job, obviously, first of all, is to protect the dealer, get the paperwork done, but you're, a, you're another sales opportunity. If you're jumbled and have all these missing items, it's hard to sell. So it really screws up their ability to close as well, in my opinion. Morgan did F and I for years too. He probably probably feels the same way about that. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's huge. That transition's big. Um, service walks. That's one I think we're probably the worst at out of all these so far, at yeah. least at our store. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of salesmen, you know, speaking for the Dodge store that do it really well. But I think it plays the reason that they're paired together is I think they pair uh, they help one another. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the service walks definitely help the finance department because so we're in this, you know, brand new facility and have a, you know, one of the bigger shops that has all the state of the art facility. And oftentimes when you're back there, if you look around, it's not 2005 or, you know, 1999 Honda civics, it's brand new vehicles, a lot of brand new vehicles with a lot of computer issues or whatever the case may be recalls. And so when you take them back there, it's twofold. You're able to introduce them to the people that are going to get them taken care of for the oil change. And I know, you know, Chris, for you as a business as a whole, you, we sell them, but we also want to service their vehicles because it's important for the overall success of the dealership. And so that part, we want to get involved with the, the service manager, service rider, rider, so they know where to come, they feel comfortable coming, and they have a relationship there as well. But then the second part, when you take them back there and show them all the new vehicles that are getting worked on currently, in their mind, it builds a little bit more doubt. than Because I know before I got in the car business, um, you know, I would, I would go with my dad, uh, when, when I was a lot younger, he'd buy a car and he would give all the smoke to the finance guy. Like, don't even talk to me. I don't want any warranty. And he used to tell me all the time, anyone who's selling you extended warranties, whether it's on a car or TV is full of crap. Like, that's just a belief to him because all this stuff should be taken care of. And so anyway, 
I think that if you can create just that little bit of doubt of like, oh, there's these newer cars that need work done, you know, just because I'm buying a new or a certified pre-owned or something with 60,000 doesn't mean nothing's going to go wrong on it. And so you can help help build the value of the back end stuff, which again, just goes to the overall success, which for you as a salesperson means if anything does come wrong and we sold them a warranty, it's a lot easier for you to then get it fixed for them as opposed to yeah, we can get it fixed. It's going to be 2,500 bucks for you. You got to get that mess figured out. So. <laughs> well, hundred percent. Like uh, at our Nissan store, Ozzy probably sells 95% of our warranties just by Ooh. going back to him and, or him coming up to the sales desk and talking about when we do talk about warranties and everything like that. So that whole service walk is, that's part of that. Cause in the past we we've gone up to Ozzy and we're like, Hey, we're going to start this service walk. We want you to also come up here and talk to our customers and help us out with that because he's he sees it every day, every day all the you know the stuff that these cars have to go through and all that. So it's uh, it's, it's probably one of the best tools as a salesperson and an F and I person you can use as a service walk. Absolutely, yeah, building that confidence in our overall brand and being that they're gonna see your customer for the next however long, you know, every. Few months potentially they yep. need to build those relationships that day instead of showing up and being like oh, i don't know where to go which we see that a lot here <laughs> right our, our building somewhat yeah. super confusing because everyone walks in coming for service <laughs> for some days so yeah yeah but show off those service departments and introduce them to those people that they're going to be in touch with way more than than you potentially uh, as a salesperson even so cool those are very crucial um, our final one we have here is we gain commitment on every customer. Um, Zach mentioned a few ways to gain commitment. What, what, how do we make sure that we gain commitment on every customer? How do you achieve that? Morgan, do you have any take on that one? Um, I think uh, it starts with the needs analysis, right? When you first get to your customer, what do you like in the car you're driving? What do you want to change? What are we looking for today and why so? right? Just basic questions. If you can answer those and you have the vehicle that fits those, you're halfway to commitment. Then during your drive or when you get back, you know, hammering down, did we get the right car? And if they're giving you the, oh, we're going to think about it. That's your opportunity to start asking questions, ask as many questions as you possibly can. Are we on the right car? Mm -hmm. Is there something that you don't like about this one? Is something you want to change? You know, whatever it may be, it gives you an opportunity to ask questions and find out maybe you just showed them the wrong one. Find another one. Yeah, that's I like that a lot. Well, because I, I think it always goes back to if you're not on the right vehicle, it doesn't matter how low you make that payment. Doesn't matter. Nobody's going to take it. And it doesn't matter how good of a deal you're giving to them. If they just don't think it's fit, function, and price, like it doesn't fit in any of those categories or all three of them, and it's just it's irrelevant. And so before you come in and waste, you know, your time and also frustration and then, you know, your customer's time ask them those questions. And it's, it, you know, it sounds simplistic, but it's one of the hardest skills that salespeople to learn is, okay, we get off the drive. All right. Do, is, do you like the car? Is there anything about a car you don't like? And if we get it all agreeable, trade enough for your trade, payment where you want it. Is there any other reason why you wouldn't? Do it? And you'd be amazed at just making that a part of every single time before you come in pencil, how much easier it makes your life as a salesperson. Because then it goes back to, if, it, if any of those questions are no, it's like, I must, I must have failed you. Like I did my job wrong. We're not on the Let's figure this part out. And then it gives you that opportunity to then sell them. 
No, I think hundred uh, percent. I remember in my training, when I train my sales guys, uh, I tell them the more time you spend on the lot, getting the right car, the less time you spend in the, the, yeah, the building. That's totally yeah. true. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I feel like we, every customer, you get that customer that's always price, 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 price. What's the best price? What's the best price? So training our sales guys, this will probably lead into one of our, you know, non-negotiables here, but training our guys properly um, and not just saying it, but actually going out there, showing him what to say, how to say it, you know, what to do. My, my best one for the price thing is like, you know what, Mr. Customer, price is easy as part of my job. The hardest part is getting the right car. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do in the price. You're not going to buy it if you don't love the car. Getting people falling in love with these cars is more, more important than price. Yeah, and I think ultimately as a salesperson, you're trying to be helpful. And so sometimes you can reach the point of overhelping and hurting yourself. You know, exactly. When people come in and they're like, I want your best price on this. I want no trade. And they haven't even driven the vehicle. And you're like, well, I want them to know I'm trying to help them. And then all of a sudden you've caught yourself in a bad situation. Whereas opposed to <laughs> use those couple word tracks of like, totally understand. And I would be the first one to tell you that I wouldn't do the deal if I didn't give you enough of your trade. Let's make sure that that truck works for you. And, uh, and then we can focus on the next part later. So, so again, you, a lot of the stuff that you do comes from good intentions of wanting to be helpful, want to make it super simple for people because that's how you would want to buy. But the processes are laid out in place for the customer to feel uh, as less frustrated as possible and for you to have as much success as possible too. So I think that's key. Yeah, I, I think that is critical for, for us to show we're committed as well. Like you mentioned earlier, having a manager meet the individual and have other other people try to build a connection or relationship that's that's us showing hey we're committed to finding the car you want yes like we we have all hands on deck here you know so yeah that's that's really good any other thoughts on that one i know we even try to get a signature on our pencils right even down to that like mm-hmm. yeah all right here's the deal sign here if like make them feel like we're ready to roll yeah and more we talk about this but i think putting on a show in every aspect to it whether it's you're hyping them up on the on the purchase of the vehicle on all the features being excited about the brand but also like you know taking the hit when they're at when they're given a big ask a lot of times you know so you know it goes into like the manager turn it's like i'm gonna go grab them for you because i want to make sure that if i'm not here you have someone to talk to and you know yeah, that's a great line like there's a lot of ways to phrase this where it's like we're just doing the things we're doing to help you out and for your best interest when in ultimately it is because we just want to make the deal as easy as possible. So there's different ways to frame this for your customer. Like, Hey, I'm going to take you on the service walk because I want to make sure you know where to go when you come in for that first oil change and you know who to talk to. This is so-and-so he's going to be the one taking care of you. All that stuff is window dressing just to make sure that they know how much we appreciate them for buying a car and ultimately that you sell them a car and have a good experience overall. So Cool. So that's the end of our list. Kevin, did you have any deviations? I know you guys, you know, got a little more specific in some areas. A little bit. Um, ours is more the the consistent training. I think that's where we lack um, in our our dealership. You know, we being uh, one of the slower dealerships out there, it's 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 tough. <laughs> it's tough to sit there all day with uh, only one or two ups and try to train these guys and get them motivated enough. Um, you know, I know I that's where I've lacked a lot in my my process of manager and getting a little bit better, but I don't know what's, uh, what's your guys' thoughts in proving that. I, I think, you know, we've, we struggled here for quite a while. Uh, and then we kind of focused Zach's efforts on that. 
and I think we're in a good spot now. I mean, from my outside observation of how he approaches it, it's just very regimented as far as like this, we're doing this today. We're going to meet one-on-ones tomorrow. And he draws out that calendar. There's something about putting ink on the calendar. I don't know what it is, but in my own life too, (laughs) if I mark it down and say, this is what we're doing, it's way more likely to do. I don't know, but you can speak to that more, Zach. I mean, our training has been boosted quite a bit. What, what have you done? What approaches have you taken to kind of sharpen this up there? Again, I think, I think that's ultimately what it is. It's just, okay, the guys have an expectation of this is the time on one-on-ones for weekly ones that I do. Uh, everyone knows their time slot, and it's just scheduled in for that time. And, you know, there's a lot of salesmen. Some of them always want to avoid them, the older guys. But, you know, the others, <laughs> like, you know, have guys that would come to me and say, hey, it's 12-15, uh, you know, and it's scheduled for 12, and I was finishing up a deal. Hey, we, we doing that? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just give me five more minutes, and I'll meet you in the conference room or whatever. And so it's interesting to see, like, once something becomes habit, once something becomes a part of what guys do, then how much, you know, easier it is to stick to it. Uh, and then because they have commitment on that side, I have no choice. I saw it really just pinning yourself in the corner where this is what we do and no one's going to let me slack on it. And I think that's ultimately like what's it. led to the, the success. And it's like the 830 meeting that we do. It's kind of the same thing. It's like everyone knows we're doing it at 830 mm-hmm. and there's yeah. no like there's no choice to it. It's just everyone's going to show up. And if I don't come prepared or whoever's training doesn't come prepared, the egg on everybody's face. And so now it's become a part of the tradition and it's easier to hold, you know, them to come in because they there's no excuse for not being there but also for me to being prepared yeah i think one one thing i would tell you guys as sales managers as well is to start doing those one-on-ones because i've seen our team feel like they're much more cared about they're heard and his trainings are specific to their current struggles right we we can come up with our own ideas every week as managers but if we're not listening to their struggles and what they're dealing with and then putting training forth to help them. I think they just feel like we're kind of fake managers in a way. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen a huge difference in our team since he got on the one-on-one thing. So that might be a good place to start. If you guys aren't already doing those, uh, our team just has much more, a much more positive culture. And I think the salespeople are really enjoying their job and progress, at least from my perspective. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Morgan, as far uh, as training goes? But McKay and I have uh, one-on-ones every Friday. And it, it's a wonderful opportunity to show that we care. Yeah. Because um, we actually, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, we, in these one-on-ones, we talk about uh, performance, how to improve. Do you have any customers that you need some help with? And then we turn it over to us. Is there anything that we can do to improve? Is there something that you need from us? And, and you know, how's your life, right? Things like that. Like, we actually do care about you and want you to succeed. And that's a great opportunity to show it in a one-on-one environment. That's funny. Yeah, no, it's that's huge. I'm glad you're doing that. I I hope we can carry that forward, keep doing it and building those relationships with our team because the salespeople really are the engine to to this side of our business, right? So we yep. need to we need to take care of them, hear them and then train them based on what we're measuring, what their weaknesses are. So, you know, data can also be a big part of that. And that's an area we've talked a lot about. We're still not as far as we want to be, but we want to eventually be in a place where we're kind of like a professional athletic team where you know your stats. Each player knows exactly where they're strong and weak, and then we can kind of shift the puzzle to do a better job every day and, and get better as individuals. If you don't track something, you'll never know it's off. So, Yeah, and I think just kind of build on, like so talking about the one-on-one specific, 
Jocko Willick has a quote, talks about, we all have a tendency to avoid our weaknesses. When we do that, we never progress or get any better. Uh, it comes from, you know, it's the dichotomy of leadership. But the importance of that to me is, you know, you're talking about data and then you're talking about the sales guys one-on-ones, you know, the importance of implementing that and being strong to it is a lot of the times, you know, you will callous or you'll, you'll paint a better picture for yourself to protect yourself. And so you think whether it's, you know, I didn't have as many opportunities this month and then you load up and that was been the, the best part about it is like, well, I actually had this many with the sales guys mm-hmm. and you close this many. And so the industry average is this, where do we need to get to bump that, you know, 5%, which would make three more sales, which would make this much money and everyone would be happier. So when you actually have that to pin it to, and then, okay, so it looks like you didn't have enough test drives in order to get enough write-ups. So we're missing from opportunities to test drive. Now let's work on that. And that's been the biggest you know, area that has been helpful over here is the number side of it. Knowing that it's a formula, knowing that you just got to implement into that formula um, to then have the X success that you want. And it's just a numbers game to get there. And so uh, I think that's the number one thing is that we always are trying to paint a better, better picture for ourselves so we feel good about ourselves and blame all the other issues on everything else. <laughs> right. And, you know, we all do it. I do it all the time. Yep. But when in reality, we have full control of where we want to want to get to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just a word to everybody at the dealerships, like our management teams are not here to come down on you, judge you, be pissed about things. Like uh, we really hope you approach the one-on-one humbly and, and, and realize we're not calling you out. We're trying your success is our success, right? If you don't go out and sell cars and perform at your highest level, we failed. And that's truly how I look at it for myself. And I hope the other managers see it. If your team is not doing well, that is your bad. I won't even, I don't even care who's on your team. You're no good at your job. So, you know, we have to reflect, be humble and, and understand we're just here to learn and get better. We're not calling anybody out or trying to put you in an awkward position right and i think that's the hardest thing we talked about ego earlier we all have an ego so (laughs) it's easy to fall into that trap and start pointing fingers everywhere but yeah just approach it humbly these guys really care about you i know them all very personally in this room and and the other managers are great too they really want to help you and and that's the whole point of that so that's my spiel on that one (laughs) that's perfect did you have any others that were left out or is that, you know, um, that's pretty much it. You know, the other one would be meetings with managers, but you know, that kind of ties in a lot of the other stuff. Um, we, we do that pretty good at the, the Nissan store. We're all pretty communicative with manager. But that's, that's a hundred percent. Another, uh, one that I believe in, you know, coming up with the game plan throughout the week. That's probably where we struggle as a management group. What are we going to do? You know, to train these guys better or, you know, that. So yeah, that's another one I would fill. I think he, you guys might have that one as well, additionally. And we've started doing uh, Friday manager meetings. And I think there's been a lot of benefit from that. We do have a lot of, he said, she said issues <laughs> in the past we have anyway. And just sitting down meeting with your managers weekly, I think is huge in any department. Uh, just get on the same page, bring up your issues, bring up your strengths, talk through it. It'll make your week go a little bit smoother. I think. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so. Morgan for you, any others or no, Nick's really good about holding us to those manager meetings. Um, it sets uh, the month out, right? Here's where we need to be. He sets the goals for us um, in tandem with BMW and, and holds us accountable. So it makes me work harder with my team 
So I know that I've got to hit those goals um, in order to not make Nick mad. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. reason enough, even though he's he's small. So not yeah. Too much there. Well, and, and by no means do I am I preaching this, uh, and are these guys preaching this as a box checking exercise? I absolutely am not a box checker, and I know that's been you know suggested sarcastically at times from from you know all of us individually. But I'm not trying to come into work and do a checklist necessarily. I care about the substance of these things. I believe in each one we've gone over as a critical non-negotiable thing in each deal to raise that success rate. So I, I, I'm definitely more of a spirit of the law guy. I think my dad is as well uh, than the letter of the law. Like these are things we've decided that if we do them, we will get better. We'll progress. It's not about checking the box, it's about doing your job correctly and, you know, remembering all those important aspects. So, so yeah, no, that's perfect. And that, that's just kind of where I always feel it goes back to. It's like without a standard, uh, without a process, there's chaos. And without a standard, you can't be held in. And, and typically, if you if you are, you know, like a lazy person, that's what you want to thrive in. Uh, but if you want to grow and you want to get better, then you want to have things that people are going to hold you to, hold you accountable to. Accountability is one of the most important aspects of, of life and of growth. And so, you know, if you're, if you're sales manager or even your salesperson, brings up about a non-negotiable you can't be a defensive or an angry way try to resist any of that um, and i know it goes both ways and so if it's brought up to you that you know this is an area that you can improve then just take it with what it, it should be and that's a call to action and uh, okay i i gotta be better i make sure to to implement that to to help everyone be more successful so uh if anything else you guys have anything you want to add i appreciate you both for taking no, time that out was of your great day. that was um, wonderful Chris has got a Grand Wagoneer cell, so we'll, oh, we'll let him get go. to it. Try it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll be back on next week.